It's great to see a lot of faces in the room this morning. There is a sense, just as we worship this morning, that there's a hunger for more and more of this connection, this genuine life on life, being together, being God's people, releasing worship. It was so hard not to sing behind my mask uh, this morning, sitting here on the front row. And uh, just just great to, to worship him together. As as we were worshiping, I, I just had these three words were kind of running through my mind. Uh, those three words were continuous, transformational encounter. I just, just kept getting that. It's this God's invitation to us, his people, is that we will be living lives of continuous, transformational encounter. All the time, every day. It's not a one day a week thing. It's not a, you know, once in a blue moon. It's not... It's not meant to be occasional. It's meant to be continuous. We're meant to be continually coming into his presence, hearing truth, declaring truth, receiving the truth of his word. As we open our Bibles at home, as we pray in our cars on the way to work, as we meet with one other person, go for a walk in the woods, we're supposed to be continuously encountering the risen Christ the beauty of who he is, what he's done for us as we celebrated that song singing about his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his power for us every single day. It's that continuous encounter that transforms us and makes us free, makes us alive, makes us living examples of the glory of who Jesus is in our workplaces, in our families, and in our homes. We're, we're designed for that continuous transformational encounter. That's well, I hope we're going to just continue on into. We had um, last week, Al preached to us from the start of Ephesians chapter 6, and, and it was very much that encounter-driven message. I, I messaged him afterwards and said that was, like a, that was like a truth encounter. It was just line after line engaging with the truth that is in Scripture and then praying it into being in our own lives, in our own experiences. And just while I'm here, I just want to encourage all of you, come along next Sunday evening to our monthly encounter prayer meeting. We're aiming to have these on the last Sunday of every month. They're on Zoom for now. Let's see where they're going to be in a month or two's time. But we're going to be gathering to encounter God together in prayer. And uh, just a little teaser for you, we're going to be using what God is doing in uh, Iran, of all places. God is doing a remarkable Wow, I've, I've watched, some, watched some videos of, of what God is doing in the nation of Iran, bringing countless numbers of people to him in Iran, in the most persecuted, the most oppressed environment on the face of the earth. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to allow the truth of what he's doing there as he encounters people. And we're going to let that truth inspire us as we begin to pray into what he's going to do amongst us. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he, is no, you know, he, ha he has no favorites. He loves the, Iran the Iranian people. He loves the English people. He loves the people of every tribe and every tongue. And he is the same God who wants to pour out that same revival blessing, that same fire, that same hunger and thirst for his presence upon us here in Bishop Stortford. So come next Sunday evening on Zoom at eight o'clock. Lovely to see as many of you as possible there. That would be great. So we are 
getting towards the end of this series called Sit, Walk, Stand. We've been working our way through Ephesians, and as that little title says, we're going through Ephesians and towards maturity. This, this picture, Sit, Walk, Stand, these three parts, it's, it's um, three parts that propel us as God's people towards maturity. Um, and you would be forgiven for believing that as we get to the end of the book, that we're getting to the most important part. Well, I just want to say, no, not, not so much. We are getting towards the end. We're getting to this part where we're looking at standing against the assault of the enemy. This is, uh, we're going to be looking at our attitude towards the enemy. And this, I just want to say to you all, this is not the pinnacle of the book. The book is one message. And no one part of it can stand alone. It, we need all aspects. We need to know that we are seated in Christ. We need to walk out our life of witness in this world. And we need to know how to deal with the assaults and the attacks that the enemy throws against us in order to have a coherent, understandable, and a, a message that has integrity, a lifestyle that has integrity, um, in this world. So that's, it's, it's one big thing. We're focusing in on stand, but it's one big thing. In, in a way, I'd like to just kind of put it this way. Um, today, we're looking at stand. We began last week, we'll continue next week. What does it mean to stand against the enemy? Well, it's the ability to consistently resist both covert and overt satanic attacks as we advance the kingdom of God, KOG, I'm going to use that in a moment, so that's my little an acronym for it there. The ability to consistently resist both covert and overt satanic attacks. Today, we're going to be focusing in on covert. Next week, you've got me again, I'm going to do this as a little bit of a two-part series. Next week, we're going to look at the overt satanic attacks, the dealing with deliverance ministry, casting out demons. What is our expectation as we handle um, the spiritual realm um, in, in terms of demonic activity. Today, I want to focus in on this covert thing. How does he, the enemy that is, how does he come against us in our day-to-day -day lives? How does he seek to uh, overcome, disempower us, fill us with fear, etc., etc.? We're going to dig into some of that. But it is our Father's desire for us to consistently resist and consistently overcome. Uh, we are not designed to, uh, it's not his intention that we would live lives that sometimes just crumble into failure and uh, having been overcome and then sometimes we're, we're on top of the mountain. He wants us to live consistently uh, in this world where we know that we are filled with his power, his authority, and that we're able to hold on to the truths that we have been declaring in worship and warfare against the one who comes against us on a daily basis. So that is stand. But literally, that stands on the shoulders of a consistent walk. You can't stand against the enemy if you have not actually been able to walk out a, a, a life that reflects Christ. Here's the definition of walk. The daily intentional extension of the kingdom of God um, through Christ-like lives of obedience, purity, authority, 
and power. The daily intentional extension of the kingdom of God through Christ-like lives of obedience, purity, authority, and power. I want you to know that you are made for extension. You are designed and created to extend the kingdom of God into the world around you. Wherever you have influence, you are called to extend the kingdom of God. That has been his design from the very first. If you go right back to Genesis chapter 1, what was the original commission that God gave to Adam and Eve? It was to extend the boundaries of the perfection of Eden. It was to fill the earth and subdue it. It wasn't fill Eden and subdue it. It was fill the earth. If you read the, uh, the, the, um, the narrative there, you'll see that there was this garden, this, this place that was boundaried in the east. And within that, those boundaries, there was perfection. And then God said to Adam and Eve, now go extend those boundaries. Go out, fill the whole earth and subdue it. Bring it under my rule and my reign. That is his, is his commission. That was his original plan for man and woman. And it continues. You see that motif again and again throughout Scripture. When you see Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 1, I think it's verse 3, where God says to him, as he's about to take the people of Israel into the promised land, he says, now go and everywhere you place the sole of your foot, I have given you. It's a call to extend the kingdom of God. And right through the Old Testament, right up to the New Testament, the, the great commission, as we call it in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 or thereabouts. And Jesus says to his disciples, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There is that same motif, that same command. It hasn't changed. There is no plan B. God says, in the beginning, go, fill the earth, subdue it. Now, in this new covenant that we live in with Jesus Christ as our Savior, with the Spirit as our empowerer, we are to go and we are to fill the earth and we are to subdue it. We are to bring the, the, the glory of God with us into every sphere. So we walk daily, intentionally extending the kingdom of God. And it's so easy for us to compromise our walk it's so easy for us, I, I put on this slide intentionally, these four words at the end, living Christ-like lives of obedience, purity, authority, and power. If we let go of obedience, if we actually fail to follow Jesus in the way in which he has commanded us to walk, then our walk lacks integrity and we will be vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. If we live lives that are not pure, reflecting the holiness, the purity, the perfection of King Jesus, then again, we've lost our integrity. We've lost the, um, we've lost the heartbeat of the message, which is to reflect who he is into the world around us. And if we forget our authority and we forget the fact that we are empowered by the most powerful force in all of creation, the person of Holy Spirit, then we will walk with our heads down and our hands, our hands hanging limp because we will not walk with the expectation of seeing God's kingdom extended as we speak and act and care and give and love. 
with the authority of heaven and the expectation of the breaking out of the power of the kingdom of God today. Today. I've just been encouraged this last week reading some of the testimonies of a good friend of ours who was with us overseas in China for some years. He's now living in LA and he just, he, he's just such a lovely guy. He, he walks the streets of LA where he lives and where he works and he just listens to Holy Spirit and he recognizes that he does so that he carries the authority of the King of Kings with him. And it just his Facebook feed is full of little stories of how he got to pray with this person and then that person and how one person receives hearing again or restored healing, uh, restored hearing. Another person gets a job that they've been longing for. Another person's mom that they pray for a few days later is given the all clear from cancer. It's, it's little, little stories like that. But that is the power that our God has placed within us so that as we walk daily, intentionally, we are extending his rule and his reign. That is his kingdom, the king's domain, that we walk this world with expectation because he lives powerfully, powerfully within us. But that walk, again, sits on the shoulders of how we sit, how we Rest in the identity that Christ has won for us. The sit part there, as it says on the screen, is a deeply rooted experiential knowledge of who God is and who I am because of Christ. It's experiential knowledge. It's not just cerebral stuff. It's not just book knowledge. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God. And Again, just as I was sitting there worshiping this morning, I was reminded worship has such a part to play in this knowledge becoming knowledge. This, this head knowledge, these facts that we know about Jesus. Yes, he rose from the dead. Praise God for that. But when I know it experientially, when I know that power, when I know that joy of union with him in my heart as I express worship to him, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. Knowing these two things, who he is, truth about his nature, and truth about what he has done for me, that he's taken me from death to life, from darkness to light, from powerlessness to powerfulness, from sinfulness to sinlessness. He's taken you and me and made us holy and made us perfect and enabled us then to walk and as we walk, we will hit up against opposition and we will stand. It's this one beautiful, big package. That's what I want us to get hold of at the start of this message. And in a sense, this is the whole thing over these last number of months. This is the big picture. But this morning, I want us to focus in on Ephesians chapter 6. This is verses 11 and a little bit of verse 13, where it says, put on all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil, or as some uh, translations of the Bible say, the evil day. I just want you to recognize resistance is normal. If you are going through your Christian life, if you're living out your Christian life and it is hard and you are struggling, it's normal. It is to be expected. It's because we are, as Christians in this world, anticipating the outbreak of the kingdom of God. We are walking upstream. 
The world around us is flowing against us. And if you've ever tried to walk against the flow of a river, you are experiencing resistance. I want to suggest to you, if you're not experiencing resistance, there might be something wrong. You might have accidentally been turned by the flow and started to go the wrong direction. Expect resistance. It is what, what this life will throw at us. It is what we can expect on a day-to-day basis. And this little bit at the end there where it talks about the time of evil or the evil day, it's very clear in the Greek language of the New Testament that this is a time-bounded season. It's not um, that always and forever it's going to be exactly the same. In fact, there is something about the way this passage is written where it seems to indicate to us that there will be seasons of intensity. There will be seasons where it is especially hard. You may be going through one of those seasons right now as you watch this from home, as you sit here in the Caris Center this morning. Your life at the moment may feel like an evil day. Or it may feel like it's okay. But I guarantee you, you won't have to look very far back in your memory to where you experienced an evil day. Because we have an enemy who comes against us in seasons. He cannot be everywhere at all times. He is not God. And so there are seasons where he puts his his emphasis and his attention upon us. And we will experience that as an evil day. But take courage from this verse God's expectation and therefore our expectation is that we will be able to stand firm. He wants to give us everything we need to stand firm. And the primary battleground for this is the mind. It's, a, it's covert. Let's face it, I don't expect many of you this week have gone out there and beaten people over the head with a big stick. Or... or gone into a shop and shoplifted. I don't expect many of you have been engaging in overt sin. But the temptations that you will feel most most keenly will be covert, the quieter voices in your head inviting you to think in a way that is dishonoring or to have have a... a, uh, a motivation which is less than honorable. You see, Satan is a defeated foe. And if you just think, think it through as a very simple, basic level, a defeated foe is going to hide, he's going to keep himself out of sight, and occasionally pop his head up and, you know, throw a pot shot. It's, it's, he, is, he is awaiting his final destruction. But until that time, he is seeking wherever he can to undermine and to cause uh, fear to grow in the hearts of believers like you and I. But it's mostly covert. It's mostly the battleground is here in the mind. I just want to very quickly recommend this book, Chris Vallotton's Spirit Wars. Very simple, very accessible, um, a really excellent resource. If any of you want to get into something that will help you to identify the tactics of the evil one and how he comes against us in our minds, then I recommend this. There's actually a curriculum that goes alongside it. You could pick this up as a community group and spend a few weeks strengthening yourselves um, in terms of how we stand against the attacks of the evil one. So we're going to do a little bit of work this morning, talking with Holy Spirit, again, picking up a little bit on this style that Al brought to us last week, interacting with um, 
with the truth and inviting Holy Spirit to speak to us. The primary battleground is the mind. And Satan wants to get you and me to partner with lies and false beliefs. If he can get you to believe less than what is true about God, if he can undermine what you believe about the nature of God, if he can get you to um, believe less about yourself than God says is true, then he has disempowered you. Someone said, when you, when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Satan has been called the liar, the father of lies in Scripture. And he longs to get alongside you and to whisper lies in your ear and for you to believe those, to kind of partner with those lies and therefore live at a lower level than what God would have you live. So I just want us to take a moment, just take a few seconds. If you're sitting at home, just close your eyes for a second and ask Holy Spirit to bring enlightenment to you. Holy Spirit, will you show us right now what lies am I believing about the nature of God or about who I am? You don't have to think too long. Holy Spirit loves to bring revelation to us. None of this is to bring shame. None of this is to bring condemnation. Remember, Romans 8 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's looking to bring you into freedom. He's looking to release you, to strengthen you, to lead you into a full and rich life. If you recognize that there's a lie that you're believing, I just encourage you to jot it down, pop it, write it down on your phone, write it down on a piece of paper. I want you to, to take these things away with you into this week and to come back to God in prayer. Perhaps bring them to your community group and invite someone to pray with you that you will realign your life to truth because it is truth that sets you free. So Satan wants to get you to partner with lies and false beliefs. He also wants to paralyze you with fear. Now, our nation has been riven with fear for this last year. But let's make sure we don't partner with that spirit of fear. Let's make sure that fear does not have its way in us, that fear is not what is setting our course. Let's make sure that fear in all of its forms, and let's face it, we call it by all kinds of different names. Isn't it funny how fear is less acceptable than anxiety? which is somehow less acceptable than stress. Isn't it, isn't it funny how we just give something a different name and somehow it has permission to stay? I just want to encourage us, let's not tolerate the presence of fear in any form in our lives. There are 365 commands in Scripture, do not fear. One for every day. Why is that? I think God knows what we tend to struggle with, and he wants us free. He wants us to walk in freedom. Thirdly and finally on this slide, Satan wants to lock you and I into sinful and destructive patterns of thought. I want you to imagine you walk out your front door on an incredibly snowy day. There's four feet of snow outside. Could have happened a couple of weeks ago there, I know. And you walk out and you've got to get to your car. And so you battle your way through the snow and you get to your car and, you know, whatever. 
I suppose it would be quite difficult to drive, but you've, you've, forced, you've forged a little pathway in the snow when you come back to your house. The next time you want to go out, there's already a pathway there of sorts. You have to push it aside again a little bit, but it's easier this time. And these pathways or patterns of thinking become established in us and to the point where we just say, that's the way I am. That's just the way my mind works. And before we know it, we can very easily be locked into this pathway of thinking that gets us to where we're going to go, but we're locked into greed, we're locked into lust, we're locked into hatred, to bitterness, to selfishness, to self-promotion, to unforgiveness. Well, I can, I, I've got that far in forgiving that person, but I'm not going the whole way. I just can't go there. That's just not me. No, God wants you free. He wants you free. I think I forgot to do the second step, paralyzed with fear. Let's, let's ask Holy Spirit for a second. Let's give 30 seconds to fear. Holy Spirit, will you show us now? Show us now. Where has fear got a foothold in my life? Where have I tolerated fear's presence that you want me to see that broken off? And just stay in prayer. Let's ask Holy Spirit also to show us if there are sinful or destructive patterns or pathways in our thinking. Holy Spirit, show us now individually in this room, at home. Show me destructive patterns of thinking, sinful patterns of thinking, things that I excuse in my life that you want me free from. Lead me into truth. I hope you've had a chance to jot those things down. Perhaps as we go into breakout groups in a few moments, you'll be able to um, share some of those, get people to pray for you. But again, as I say, do some business with these things this week. Go to your community groups with these things. Just very quickly as we head towards a close, I want to jump out of Ephesians and into a, a, a passage in Corinthians written also by Paul, written also on the same subject. He says here in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons. In other translations, it says divine power, not human weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. I want you to understand today that we do not wage warfare in our own strength. We wage warfare with the divine strength of the risen Savior in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to break down those strongholds, those things that have dogged us for years. He wants them destroyed in our lives. He wants us, therefore, to walk free. What is a stronghold? It is a well-established and deeply entrenched pattern of thought or belief which will defend its right to exist. I just want to suggest that as we were going through those three little moments of inviting Holy Spirit to speak, even as you identified a fear or a lie or a sinful pattern of behavior or thought, you may have had that, that voice in your head saying, you'll never change. You'll never get free from this. 
And somehow that stronghold is defending its right to exist in your heart or mind. Again, we fight not with our own strength, but with divine weapons, with the power of the risen Savior. And one of those weapons he's given us is community. One of those weapons that he's given us is prayer from other believers receiving um, prayer, receiving uh, the breakthrough that God has for us as we submit our lives to one another and invite his power to flow into us through prayer. If you would like to receive prayer from our amazing, fantastic, transforming prayer team, I've spent a bit of time with this team recently. They are a wonderful bunch of people, so committed to seeing others set free. Drop the office an email at this address, office at ccbs.org.uk. There is a wonderful team of people who would just love to spend a bit of time with you. There will be no shame. There will be no discouragement. There will be no condemnation, but you will walk away from that time feeling free, feeling empowered, feeling ready to walk with integrity, to stand against the enemy in all the fullness that God has for you. That's where I'm going to finish off this morning. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. Come back next week. We'll hear part two. We're going, to, we're going to set our expectation high to see demons cast out, to see strongholds in the spirit realm broken down, and for people to be coming into salvation and into the freedom of Jesus Christ because that is his commission. That's the commission he's given us. We are not a holy huddle. We are weapons of warfare ready to extend his kingdom. Let's pray, and then I'll hand back to the team. Father, thank you that you have equipped us to win. Thank you that you have given us everything we need to walk holy, obedient, powerful, authority-filled lives, resting on the foundation of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And that, Lord God, we can go into any and every day without fear of the enemy because he is overcome and because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can live expectant to see change in our lives. Where we have believed lies, we can step free. Where we have let fear guide us and rule us, Lord God, your freedom, your love will overcome. And thank you, Lord God, that you do not write us off when we get it wrong, but you pick us up, you put us back on our feet, you dust us down, you give us your spirit, and we get to walk with you every day with our expectation, our faith high. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.